Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good middle of the night. If you're someone on the show today and you'll find out, thank you so much, Gooners, for making the Highbury Squad part of your day. Once again, it's Monday Madness and we've got a top shelf show lined up for you tonight. Let's roll. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad. Oh, I'm sure you've all had a happy Monday. Let's just take a look at this picture one more time for a few seconds. Ah, it's just so lovely, isn't it? And what else is lovely back on the show is my podcast brother from another mother who is ready to let you guys know what he thought about the Gunners this weekend, Mr. Super Kev, Super Kevin Campbell. Our squaddies, good to see you. And listen, let's go at ease because you know what? We're feeling good. Cooling the gang, <laughs> take it easy. Oh, brilliant stuff. We have a very special guest for you as well this evening. I've uh, been trying to get him on the show for a while now. Here he is, very busy man, writing, waxing lyrical about the Arsenal for Football London, Mr. Kaya Kainak. Did I do it right? Perfectly did, pronounced. I? Perfectly pronounced. Couldn't have done it better myself. Smashed it, so. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Kaya. Um, Thank you so much. You were at the game yesterday. Kev was covering the game for Stadium Astro as well for international audiences. Um, Kaya, I'm a, Kev, I'll come to you first and then Kaya because I want I want uh, I want to dive into a, 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 the press conference with Kaya as well. Super Kev, the squaddies were out in force um, during chat last night. Um, absolutely loving it. There was no negativity. What was there to be negative about? Uh, in terms of the result, tell us what you saw, what you thought. You were doing the show with Charlie Adam. Did you go in two-footed studs up, Kev? I hope you did. No, not two-footed, not two-footed. But he, uh, he got a couple of reducers. Let's put it that way. He got a couple of reducers. <laughs> um, what, what I will say, Sophie, is before the game, we we had a long we had a long build-up to the game, and um, I was talking about. If Arsenal are, are going to be taken serious, obviously they've got to take down Liverpool. And any time there's a, a, a transition of power in football, there's going to be resistance. And I said, this is a game where Liverpool are going to turn up. That's for sure. We're not going to see the Liverpool that played against Brighton. You're not going to see the Liverpool that played against Fulham. You're going to see the best Liverpool. And to be fair to... To Liverpool, Sophie, they, they performed yesterday. They played well, but we played better. It's been a long time since I've been able to say that, Sophie. We played better. We're out the trap so fast. And that first goal summed up how good we, we can be. Cut Liverpool open, Saka to Odegaard and that inch-perfect pass. 1-0 up in, in the first minute or so. It, it's, it's incredible. That puts Liverpool on the back foot, but you're saying to yourself, go and get a second. You know, we're, we're, we're so hyped. But Liverpool, the, the great side that they are, they play themselves into the game and they peg us back. Good bit of movement. And, you know, it was a really good goal. But, Sophie, I've got to say, Gabriel Jesus, 
I've got to say. I mean, one time I saw him at centre forward, then he was at, at, <laughs> at the back, and then he was picking the ball up in midfield, setting us up. And if you notice, when he has the great feet in midfield for the second goal and he, and he plays it to Martinelli, who is that centre forward? Do you know? Gabriel, the centre-back, is, is centre-forward, occupying their defence. Okay, so Kev is in Malaysia, by the way, you guys, and literally put Tempe in the metre. You oh, jumped out when me. you we lost you for Gabriel, Kev, when you said, who was at the front? It was Gabriel. Keep going. Who was at the front? Gabriel was the centre-forward, occupying their defence. So mm. when Martinelli checks back on his right foot and plays that ball across... They have Gabriel to, to, to deal with. So the ball runs through. They couldn't just deal with it in the easy. The ball runs through and Saka's there at the back post like any good winger is. I'm telling you, Sophie, this was so important for us to go in with our noses in front. And then Sophie's second half, I thought, listen, they scored a good goal, but I thought we were superb second half. I really did. I thought we were superb. I thought the intensity was right. I thought the, the spacing was right. I thought Tommy Yasu was incredible. He was right. Look, there's so many good performances. To, score, to, to concede two goals at home to a great Liverpool, yeah, Terminator, without a shadow of a doubt. If that man's coming for you, man. Salah, Salah give up, tapped out. Nah, not for me, this guy. Not for me, this guy. He was, for his first start, he was outstanding. And it just goes to show we can rotate with any of these defenders and still look the business. Still look the business. Listen, Gabriel Jesus, again, ball comes in the box. He's first to react. He's there. Thiago, who I thought had a decent game, he's a, he's a good player, catches him, goes down, penalty. And uh, the star boy, Saka, I mean, the, 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 the balls to go up and win it win the game for the arsenal was absolutely fantastic so so do you know what liverpool didn't really have any more to play we were the dominant team we could have gone on and score more but you know let's save it let's save some of these stuff up and let's enjoy the fact that we could take down a rival because people are still trying to say but it wasn't the the, the liverpool that, that Nonsense. Yeah, yeah, cry, Nunes. <laughs> I thought he had a decent game, to be fair. But, Sophie, nobody could say we haven't played teams who can hurt us. This Liverpool side, arguably, over the last four or five years, have been the most consistent team in the world, along with City. We take them down. That is a big statement for Arsenal. Massive. So, I'm yeah. very proud. Very good, Kev. Great analysis. And by the way, if you hear a crackling sound, we don't care because we're taking Kev however we can get him tonight. He's up at three o'clock in the morning. He's working um, for Stadium Astro and we have him. So we're keeping him. So if you like Doctor Who and Daleks, this is the show for you tonight. There's no doubt about that. You mentioned Gabriel me Jesus. You mentioned Gabriel Jesus and uh, Kaya. I wanted to. Squawker came out with some stats because James last night was trying to quantify 
and explain exactly what Jesus does and goes, I can't, I don't even know how to begin to tell you or quantify it. Well, they have. He's the only player in Europe's top five leagues this season with 10 plus shots on target, 10 plus chances created, 10 plus tackles made, 10 plus take-ons completed, 10 plus aerial duels won. The complete forward is what they are saying. Kaya, you were there, you were in the stadium, you watched the game, you, you were in the presser with Mikel after. Let's start with your analysis of the game. Uh, you know, I, I, we on last night's show, we were talking about that 25 minutes in the first half. Kind of, it looked a bit, uh-oh, are we, is this how it's going to go again with Liverpool? But the way this team continue to overcome adversity this season, massive lessons from last season, perhaps. Give us your take. Yeah, I mean, talking of Daleks, it was great to see Arsenal exterminate a big six opponent. It was nice <laughs> to see that. Um, it was needed. I think, you know, for me, I, I agree. Obviously, the start was fantastic and they went in front and Arsenal started games how they have been starting games for most of the season, actually. They came out on the front foot. They attacked from the off. They didn't wait for the opposition to come to them. They went and took it to them, which I thought was really refreshing to see. I thought the tone was set from the off with the decision of Tommy Asu over Tierney and left back. People read that as being in there to stop Salah from cutting inside to onto his left. But for me, that decision was more about Arsenal in the build-up. Tommy Asu is very two-footed, very good on the ball, very technical. Kieran Tierney, as much as I think he's a fantastic player, he's not as technical. So if you want a sort of interior no. defender that Zinchenko is to help you in the build-up. Tierney's not that guy Tommy Asu is. So it was a bold call with Zinchenko unavailable and Arteta went for it and he set the tone and Arsenal went out and they played really well for those opening five, 10 minutes. But then they sort of began to to drop deep. And I, I personally thought it was one of the worst first halves I've seen Arsenal play this season. I, I thought they were kind of poor. Maybe that's a bit hyperbolic. Maybe I'm still sort of in the sort of the headspace of the mm. game still. But I thought it, I thought they dropped way too deep. I thought they were defending for their lives. And when they did, they looked up and there was no one in front of them because there was so many people sort of deep behind the ball. And obviously the Liverpool goal was coming and it came eventually. Um, Nunez may be offside in the build-up for me, but, you know, that's uh, that's probably a debatable one. But And then, yeah, after that, Arsenal, as far as I'm concerned, I was about to write a tweet saying, you know, Arsenal need to sort of mentally just get themselves out of a headspace where they're sort of going into their shell and then they get the goal. And then after the goal, you could see them sort of sprinting down the tunnel. I think maybe they felt they were a little bit, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say fortunate because I thought they played not terribly. I just thought that to be in front, it, was, it came slightly against the run of play for me, that second goal. But they came out in the second half. And as Kev said, they were they were outstanding for the whole of the second half. They had Liverpool pretty much pinned back. If you look at sort of the, the shots and the XG and all that kind of stuff, talk about quantifying it. Liverpool got their goal, but then after that, they didn't really create too many chances that Arsenal needed to be worried about. It was all Arsenal from that point onwards, and Arsenal have been on such a great run, they could easily have sort of sat back and been comfortable maybe with a 2-2 against a really good side, but they didn't. They were confident in their own play, and for me, the most exciting thing about this win isn't necessarily that Arsenal beat Liverpool, because they beat Liverpool a couple of years ago in that project restart game behind mm -hmm. closed doors. I think we all remember that. Lacazette um, season, I think it was an Alisson error and Nelson got a Van Dijk error and it's sort of Arsenal were, were lucky to win that day. They beat Liverpool yesterday and the two games feel almost completely different. The same result, but completely different feelings. And the reason for that is because Arsenal didn't go out fearing what Liverpool could do to them. They went out thinking, what can we do to Liverpool? And that is a massive turnaround in mentality. I think that's a sign of how far this Arsenal team has come. And you look at them on the pitch, you talk about Jesus. In the game Arsenal had at the Emirates last season, it was a midweek game under the lights, and Arsenal went toe-to-toe -to -toe and they lost 2-0 eventually. 
they they sort of they matched Liverpool for about 45 minutes and then when it came to the the key chances Alex Lacazette couldn't really do anything Liverpool could with Firmino and Jota up front you add Jesus into this Arsenal team and what he's given them as much as you talk about the complete forward positionally all over the place impossible to track um inventive with his finishing fights for every ball intense first to every tackle what I think he's given Arsenal is the belief that when they go forward, they have someone who can really hurt opposition defences. And I don't think they had that before. I think they thought they were toothless. Everyone could see they were toothless. And I think the Arsenal team, the players on the pitch, thought they were toothless. So if they conceded a goal, as they did on Sunday, they thought, oh no, we're not going to score any more goals. That's it. We have to defend. Whereas now what Jesus has brought is a belief in this Arsenal team that they can score goals. I know he didn't score on Sunday, but his potency in front of goal, I think, provides Arsenal with that. And that confidence that they had, you could see that in the second half and they kept going at Liverpool, even when Liverpool scored. You talk about bouncing back from adversity. I think that comes from adding players like Jesus with that mentality. Everyone else has now stepped up a level. And yeah, I mean, there you go. There's the guy. You don't want to start to think about sort of running away with it and how far this Arsenal side can go and all that kind of stuff because I think Arsenal needs to just enjoy where they're at and try and ride this wave of, of confidence for as, as long as it will take them. But the mentality shift means that this win is a sustainable kind of victory and the kind of victory you can see Arsenal replicating in big games in the future. And that, for me, is massive. That's what I didn't see before when Arteta first came in and he got a few big wins. Obviously, the FA Cup win, beat Chelsea, beat City in the semi-final, beat Liverpool in the league. What's different between then and what's what's happening now is that Arsenal clearly believe in what they're trying to do and they are going out to play football their way. And that's massive as far as I'm concerned. Really well put. And it does feel like we're playing fearless football where we used to play fearful football. Uh, and the mental, I always used to use the phrase mental, mentally impotent. And I that actually kicked in at the end of last season as well. And Kev, you're a player who's lost and won big time, you know, in football, been in adverse situations. Uh, I know you have a question for Kai, but before we get onto that real quick, I... I'm amazed. One of the things that I'm the most impressed with, and this is the part that is down to Mikel Arteta in, in terms of the mentality change in the, D, the DNA and the profile of a team that goes out, crosses the white line every single week. You've talked about this for two years. And I think more so now than even last season, because last season, I even like Kai said, when we kind of won, you didn't want to get too excited. When's the shoe going to, when is it? When, when, when? And it happened. This season, there seems to be a bite and a difference. The mental attitude is completely night and day. Talk us through that a little bit, having kind of worn the shirt and played both sides, if you like. So, the, when I when I watched Arsenal in previous seasons, obviously, I'd probably drove people mad saying to them that, you know, the, the mindset, the, them crossing the white line, you know, the, the, the things that they, they lacked, basically, um, when they go on the pitch, being able to compete, the consistency that they're going to need, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all know about that. But right now, from pre-season, so, if I'm honest, from pre-season, you could see things had changed. I, I don't know if it's a bit of what happened at the end of last season as well, where you felt the pain of losing out to that lot down the road. And it was a great opportunity for some of these youngsters to, to get into the Champions League. 
and they weren't quite ready. Whether we like it or not, they weren't quite ready. So they've gone away. It's like a it's like a backpack. You go away and you 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 think to yourself, we got to get better. And everybody's come back with a mindset. We're gonna bring it. And you look at what's what's going on right now. Because realistically, there's there's what three players who have come in and made a and made made a difference. Three players, and even Zinchenko didn't play yesterday. But it's already part of the Arsenal DNA again now to win and to adjust and to play with intensity, to play with a speed that many teams cannot live with. So many teams mm. can't live with. When Arsenal stepped it up in the second half, Liverpool couldn't live with us. That tells you something. Arsenal are doing a lot right. We, we still make mistakes, Sophie, because we're still learning on the job, of course. But you know what? Because of the mindset and because of the flexibility of the team to adjust and respond to whatever happens on the pitch, we are starting to see an Arsenal now that nine games played, Soph, eight wins. That's huge. That is huge for us. And you know what? It makes you even look at the Man United game even more so now. I've been trying to forget about it, Kev, because it's... But, you know, because we've been so consistent, and that has always been our issue, we'll win one game. I'll tell you what, when when Liverpool equalised the second time, that would have been so easy for Arsenal then to start sitting back and expecting Liverpool going to start to come on top. But they didn't. They stayed on the front foot and they took them out. Sophie, listen, the transformation is fantastic, but we're not finished yet. Let me tell you why we're not finished yet, Sophie, because I truly believe this team could get a lot better. Mm. They've only played nine games or so together in the league. They're still working each other out. And we're putting in performances like that. I know people say, oh, it's a long season. It is a long season, but it's a long season for everybody. That mentality, as long as we keep that mentality, we're going we're gonna to be okay. We're going to be okay. We have to be taken seriously now. And you see Liverpool, you see it start to get chippy. You see people start to mouth off and you saw it start to get physical. You know what that means, Sophie? We've arrived. That's what that means, Liverpool. Because before, there was none of that before with Liverpool. Now, all of a sudden, you're starting to see Liverpool. Henderson lose his head. You're starting to see all sorts going on. That means we've arrived, so. We're annoying again to people, and I love it. I, I want to become even more annoying. Let's annoy them. You know, they just can't. We've been the dartboard for so long, and they've enjoyed it so much. But it's fellas like this, this attitude, this... I love, you know, uh, Benjamin White. He's got that, you know, he does little things on the pitch. You're like, oh, that was a bit naughty. He gets away with it. You know, but also what a player to kind of, you know, have to be pushed into the right back position, never complain, never moan, just got on with his job, has shown. I mean, who did he skin on the right side? Was it Harvey Elliott towards the end of the game? Um, you know, taking it down the byline, doing those kinds of things. Unsung hero, Tommy Yasu yesterday, big time benched Mo Salah. I mean, these are big moments. These are big moves. And Kaya, you are around the club. You're around the team. You're in the press conferences. 
You've been there from the beginning of Arteta's tenure to now. Tell us a little bit about the press conference yesterday. I know, Kev, Kev, you had a question for Kaya about Arteta, didn't you, I think, on that yeah, one? Yeah, I'll ask, I'll ask Kaya after. Okay, all right, cool. Then I'll ask him after. Yeah, give us, a, give us your uh, overview on, on, um, on all that, uh, Kaya. Yeah, um, so yesterday's press conference specifically, um, Arteta came in and, to be honest, you, you wouldn't really have known that Arsenal had won 3-0. And I, I think that's a positive in the sense that I think three physically two, is 3-2, three, three, not 3-0. Three, no, you know, I'm, I'm getting very excited. I'm getting very excited. Um, trying to just delete the two Liverpool goals from my mind. Um, yeah. So you wouldn't have known that Arsenal had won 3-2 because he seemed sort of quite tired and quite sort of exhausted from the game. And physically, he puts a lot into the game. So it's understandable. We heard his voice at halftime in every single one of those Amazon documentary sort of clips. He's sort of, he can barely speak because he's so passionate. But when he comes into the press conferences, he sort of maybe flips a bit of a switch. Maybe it's that media training where he's sort of, he's very um, sort of, can be quite deadpan, can be sort of like quite, um, I guess, sort of uh, serious in his answers. He doesn't really go for the sort of jokey Jurgen Klopp type of answers, and that that's fine. But I think his sort of mentality right now seems to be that he wants to just keep the team focused on what they're doing and not get too carried away. So throughout this season, whenever you talk about any success or any sort of wins that Arsenal have had, his his response is almost reflexively. It's like a knee-jerk response to say, "Well, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't done anything yet. We've not achieved anything. We've not won anything." And I think that's that's good. I think that's that's what keeps the Arsenal players on point. And going back to Thursday against Bodo Glimt, Arsenal beat Bodo three 0 quite a comfortable game. Mikel Arteta was furious when he came to the press conference. He was angry because he didn't like what he'd seen from his team. So his standards are high. The standards he sets are high, and if you're not meeting them, as we've seen with players like Aubameyang, Ozil, and plenty of others, you're out. So he's set, set that culture. The one thing he consistently is very good at is um, just praising the fans, and I think that does bring fans on board. And I think the Emirates is a completely different place now, and I think he's he's just he's always so thankful about that, and I don't think he really forgets that. So. Yeah, yesterday I think he was he was quite calm. He wasn't really getting involved in any of the sort of the hyperbole or getting carried away around the game. I think he's just very focused, and I think he's sort of um, you can tell he's been playing elite football all his life because he he's got that game, he's compartmentalised it, and now he's on to the next one. He's just focused on to the next one, and I think that's a positive attitude for this Arsenal team. Mm. Yeah, Kaya, what's it like dealing with Mikel Arteta now as opposed to before? Because obviously the, the the team's fortunes have, have kind of changed now, so let us know what it was like dealing with him before, because he can be a little bit prickly. Um, he can be, but, yeah, yeah, he can be. I think if you, he's sort of a, a manager. If you ask him a stupid question, you'll get a stupid answer. He doesn't really take any sort of nonsense from uh, from the questions, and he's quite happy to <laughs> avoid questions as well. Yesterday, someone asked him. Why did you take off Martin Erdegaard? And his response was, I have five subs. I can make those decisions. He, he does give those sort of quite serious responses from time to time. So in that sense, he's not really changed. Also, I don't think he's changed too much from sort of when he first came in, in the sense that he has that conviction. So he's always been very clear in his ideas and what he wants to see from the Arsenal team. And I think that's that requires a lot of strength of character. And I, you know, that, I think that's very impressive in his personality as a manager, in the sense that even when things were really rough, and you know, this time in 2020, Arsenal what 16th in the Premier League? It's a long mm -hmm. way in two years, and 
I think to be so steadfast and focused on, on what he wanted to achieve, I don't think you can really change too much. Again, at the same time, I think he does seem a bit more happy now. He does seem mm -hmm. uh, a bit less guarded. He's a bit more happy to talk about things. And I think he's not a guy who particularly likes to admit when he's wrong. So if you ask him a question, let's say, about a substitute after a game. So I asked him a question. Arsenal lost to Everton last season at Goodison. I asked him why he brought Eddie and Ketty on at the time ahead of Nicola Pepe. And his sort of response was something along the lines of, well, I sort of, I see them every day, every week in training. That's why I made the decision. And he can be a bit prickly like that. And he doesn't like admitting that he's wrong. But maybe it's because he's not getting much wrong at the minute. But he seems quite <laughs> happy and quite sort of content um, just to be dealing with with answers. And he's, he's, he's very... Um, he's very sort of focused on what he wants to do. So there's a few subtle changes, Kev, but to be honest, I, I don't think he's changed that much. And I think yeah. that's quite impressive given the, the sort of the, the massive lows and the massive highs that he's been through. Yeah. That was uh, something that we, we talked about, Tommy, being self-critical of his game in the, in, in the week with in the Europa League game and Arteta subbing players and at the time some of us were having a meltdown because ahead of the Liverpool game we're like no we don't want them to get injured but we've we flipped the conversation too he didn't like what he was seeing he doesn't care he's in that like you said Kai he's in that moment he's in that game he's changing things completely you know it's not good enough and he doesn't care who you are and that's the part of him that I really really like it doesn't matter what your name is on on the back of the shirt if you're not doing your job you're off you know, um, there was a moment that was really, uh, you know, has become controversial in the sense that Jurgen Klopp is complaining. And of course, you know, if the grass isn't wet enough or the wind blows a certain way, uh, Mr. Klopp will find an excuse. In all honesty and real quick before we move on, because the squaddies want to know what you thought of this. Was this a penalty? Kev? No, look how close Jota is to Gabriel. Look how close he is. It's ball to hand. He kicks the ball so so hard and so quick. Gabriel can't get out of the way. That's why they've never given the penalty. And is it? It does it touch his hand? Yes, it does. But if somebody's right here and I kick the ball against his hand, there's nothing he can do about it. It's not a penalty. And listen, if it was given, we'd have to take it. But I think finally some sense has been as 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 as. Uh, been been meted out and it wasn't a penalty. And listen, I don't mind him crying about it. <laughs> oh, none of us mind us. But when you look at the, there was a, a an incident in the West Ham game, Kaya, and then there was the Rashford one last night. Hand on your heart with your rose-coloured glasses off. <laughs> was that a penalty? <laughs> They're very difficult to remove those rose-coloured glasses, but I did my <laughs> best. Um, so by the letter of the law and the sort of the... The, the remit that the official stated at the start of the season, they did say that proximity was going to be a massive factor in deciding handball. So last season, probably that is a penalty. This season, it isn't. And the consistency is a massive issue because if you look at Rashford and that being given as a penalty, and Gabriel, sorry, given as a foul that stopped the goal, and then Gabriel not being given as a penalty, I can see why Liverpool fans will be furious because I think, you know, if it, if it happened against Arsenal, I think we'd all be quite upset. And I think the reason for that is because it's hit his arm and it's sort of stopped the ball going. And I think you, you could argue it's a penalty and sometimes it gets given as a foul and sometimes it doesn't. And that sort of roulette wheel of, is it going to be a penalty? Isn't it going to be a penalty? And the sort of the variation we see in referees' decisions every week, I think that's what annoys people. I think most people reasonably could have seen why it would have been a penalty or why it wouldn't have been a penalty. And, you know, 
um, I think they they would have been able to make peace with either decision. But mm. it's sort of the lottery aspect of not knowing, you know, if you have Michael Oliver one week or you have um, Paul Tierney the next week, you don't know whether that's going to be a penalty from one week to the next. And I think that's what really frustrates people. Yeah. Was the Jesus, was the Van Dyke on Jesus? I, I've got to take my rose-coloured glasses off. I thought that was a bit soft. But I don't care. I don't care. I just thought if that was on us, I'd be I'd be a bit beefed if I'm being I, honest. I thought I thought it was a penalty. I thought it was. I think Jesus gets there first and Tiago kicks through his leg. So yeah. that's a foul. Or was it Tiago? Sorry, I thought it was Van yeah. Dyke. Yeah, sorry, my mistake. Tiago. Yeah, yeah. He, he gets oh. there late, he mistimes the tackle. So as far as I'm concerned, that's that's a foul. I know it's it's um it's it's not the the sort of the most stonewall of penalties, but for me it's it's a foul in the box. So yeah, it's 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 a penalty, yeah. All right, so look, there's almost 550 of you in live chat. Hit the likes. Uh, Kaya has never had the Vinny treatment, right? So we're about to give him the Vinny treatment. Uh, hit the like button. You've got a top, top shelf journalist here with us, giving you a little peek. Kev gives us the peek behind the white lines. Kaya's giving us the peek behind the red ropes. Um, get your questions in if you want to ask him anything and ask Kev anything. I'm going to ask. Um, them one quick one before I get to yours because one of the things I love about when I work and I'm sure you guys do and I know Kev has <laughs> having won the a European trophy and FA Cup and championships and Kaya I'm sure when you go to work and I go to work I love working around really good people I love looking at who's on my left who's on my right a friend of mine wrote this book called The Art of Keeping Good Company and I love it it's like who's your knife Who's the fork? Who's the spoon? Beware of the knife. And I love, I love what I'm seeing with this team. They genuinely feel like it, it reminds me of Nirvana smells like team spirit, not teen spirit, the way they're all coming together. Kai, you're around these guys a lot. You go to training. Um, I think in the past we've been sold a lot of, you know, kind of really nice PR lines and stuff like that. When Martinelli says that, you know, he's so happy, he feels like this is his family. It feels that way. Tell us a little bit about the atmosphere, the spirit, what you see. Yeah, I was I was fortunate enough to be um, on the preseason tour in America. So I, I got sort of the sight. And I think when it's preseason, maybe players are a bit more, Kev will be able to expand on this bit better than me, but maybe they're a bit more relaxed. And obviously they're intense because, you know, they're starting the season, but there's a bit more of a, a relaxed atmosphere around the place. And everyone seemed to be uh, just getting on really well and all the sort of the, the noise coming out of the camp and speaking to everyone was they were getting on really well and I think there's there's not necessarily obviously you've got the Brazilian clique and the Portuguese speaking clique and the English lads hang out together and the French guys hang out together and all that kind of stuff but I think what Mikel Arteta did in the summer which was quite interesting when I found out about it was for pre-season when they're having dinner they they'd swap the tables each night so you get assigned a different table so you'd be sitting next to different people each night and that meant that they sort of started talking to each other. So Emil Smith-Rowe is chatting to Marquinhos. They don't have any any language in common, but they're still good friends. Like they're, they're getting on. And that makes a massive difference. And I think Arsenal, maybe in the past, have had characters who aren't as into the whole uh, team sort of spirit and family bonding. Ethic. I won't, the team yeah. ethic. Yeah. The team ethic, exactly. I won't name those names because I think everyone knows who I'm talking about. But... Um, I think now those those characters are gone and I think everyone is sort of pulling in the same direction and that's massive. Arteta's always spoken about culture. That's always been a big thing for him. Um, so yeah, it's 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 positive. They've they've definitely 
improves and you see it after goals every time they score they have a massive huddle they all compose themselves together they all work together they all sit there and they take a moment and they sort of remind themselves that you know they want to refocus but they're all together and they're all in it together and they all stick up for each other moments like that before the game moments after goals they're all huge so yeah i think this arsenal team a a team is always going to come out and say we're united but you know actions speak louder than words and i think we see it every game we see it in the way they're sort of sticking up for each other I think that's massive. I mean, you see it in the happiness they have for each other when they score, like Tommy with Martinelli there. It's, it's massive. So yeah, this this is a this is a team that really feels together. Ben White in his post match interview said, "Yeah, we're a family, and we also happen to be quite good at football." So you know, it, it's it's <laughs> it's really nice to see. And I think as fans, observers, journalists, whatever, we 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 look upon it, and it's a lot easier to identify with it when they all seem like they're nice guys and they're all getting on. Maybe and it's not essential, of course, but it, it's nicer. And it's what for me. Being, you know, part of being a fan is about is connecting to the team, and I think you can connect a lot better with the team when you see the team spirit is is high, like it seems to be now. It's been a long time since fans um, can't make, you know, uh, a choice when they go into the armory or order a shirt online, and which player am I going to get on the back? It's been a really long time since we've had players that we can fall in love with again, and you're 100 percent right on that, Kaya, and. No matter whether you're going to the Emirates and you're soaking up that atmosphere or you're a traveling fan and you love going away or you're a fan who was here on the U.S. tour or you're watching like we have listeners this evening from Nigeria, Liberia, Australia, India, um, you know, the U.S., Brazil, Malaysia, Malaysia. (laughs) it's a beautiful thing to see in the energy and the swell of that energy, Kev, um, is definitely uh, building. Right. Get your questions in. Um, let's see what we got here. Ah, this one's this one, guys, uh, for you. If we beat Chelsea and City, do you th- what do you think? Is this our time to lift the trophy? So here, I think one of the things that Arsenal fans are always having, we always have to prove ourselves. When you lose a lot of respect in the Premier League, maybe not as a big club, but in as a Premier League team, those things are tough, Super Kev. Uh, and once again, Liverpool was a test. Well, we passed that test. Tottenham was a test. We passed that test. You know, now we've got to win the games against Leeds and Southampton. Can't fall back into the end of last season's form, right? Kev, what do you say about those tests and not getting too ahead of ourselves, but still believing? How do you balance it all? Well, being being part of an Arsenal side that has uh, gone through something similar and being around them, uh, 89 was was kind of that, that season where... You know, Arsenal hadn't won the leagues for for a long time. And there are certain hurdles that you're going to have to get over. Through, under, around, whichever way, way, shape or form. And the the bar has been set to an extraordinary level by Manchester City and this Liverpool team. And what we have to do, we have to prove that we're worthy to be up there. We've proved that we can compete. We've proved that, yes, we want to be in the mix-up. But to win it all, Soph, we have to be a lot better. We've got to be a lot more. We've got to be a lot better defensively. That's for sure. We we concede some goals, and, and they're good. They're, they're good goals, but they're mistakes by us. We should we should stop that. And again, we're we're only going to get better. But the most important thing for me, Sophie uh, and Kaya, is the, the belief in this team. Now that they've beaten Spurs and beaten Liverpool back-to-back weeks, which is what we we want, 
Then you go against Leeds. Leeds away. It's going to be a hostile place, you know. But you've got to go there and win. You've got to keep winning because you know what? It puts even more pressure on Man City because they go to Anfield next. So, you know, what you've got to try and do, you've got to try and keep them in in a bind as much as you can playing catch-up. And you just never know. You might find yourself a few points clear at the top. If, it's, if that can happen, great. But if you don't do the business, you soon drop down this league. We, we found that out last season. So focus and you've got to win your next game. It's all on the next game. And uh, Arsenal have done that really well this season, being able to just move forward. All right. Um, here's one for Kaya. Uh, let's see. Where'd it go? This is from Henkeho. Hi, Kaya. When you come to the transfer window times, do you have a rule before you post a rumor or a store? Oh, let me do that at the end because I was there was another one about January and there's tons for you, as you can imagine, Kaya, about January. Some play some fans saying we're two away from this season. You know, Kev was last January was saying we need eight players. Well, look what we did last summer and this summer. What do you think? Are we in the transfer business for January? Seems to me prices might be jacked up after the World Cup. What's your take? Yeah, it depends on, I guess, who, they, who they'd look to go for. I think it was quite clear by the fact they looked to go for a central midfielder on deadline day that that's a position in the squad they, they want to strengthen in. They also want to strengthen the, the wing positions and left centre-back is a position Arsenal have been targeting. We're looking at players for some time, I don't think that's necessarily a massive sort of tier one priority right now, given that they've got a decent bit of strength and depth at the back. But I wouldn't be surprised if Arsenal going for a central midfielder in January. This this season is going to be such a weird one in the sense that I think there's nine games again in January. There's such a, a, a sort of a congested fixture list that you need a squad. And Arsenal have real sort of areas of weakness when it comes to squad depth. So if you look at a player like uh, Gabriel Jesus, as much as I think Eddie Nketiah is really improving and getting better, if he gets injured... Arsenal probably are in a little bit of trouble. Similar thing with Thomas Partey, similar thing with Aaron Ramsdale. I'm not expecting them to go out and sign a striker or a, a goalkeeper in January, um, by the way. But central midfield is a position that I do think that they they could look at. Um, I know Danilo Pereira, the, the guy at Palmeiras, was someone who they, they were sort of targeting around towards the end of the window. Whether they go back in for him, I don't know. But Palmeiras, you know, the Brazilian season is different from the, the European season. So there's his... I think they'll be in the off-season come January or sort of not in the business end of their season, so they'll be more willing to sell more likely. But, yeah, it's a tough window. It's a tough time to get good value for money, and Arsenal historically haven't looked to use it too much under Mikel Arteta. I think the only time they have, if I'm not mistaken, was obviously the Martin Odegaard loan signing, which worked out fantastically. But then, you know, Matt Ryan on loan, not the best of signings, not not terrible. But then you look at Cedric and Pablo Marie also brought in in January. So... It's difficult. It's a mixed bag. Sometimes you get great value, sometimes you don't. This season is a bit particular, as I say, because of the World Cup. And it's sort of so back heavy in terms of games that maybe if Arsenal are in a title race come then, they might look to go for it. They might look to bring forward some some transfer plans. But I think, um, yeah, central midfield probably the position where I'd say that they're in the market for someone first and foremost, just because of the numbers they have in that area. Okay, so another question that's come in um, from a few folks, and I'll just... Uh encapsulate and they want you both to answer and we try and squeeze in as many as we can here uh you guys is kev now a lot of fans are like 
is Tommy Yasu our left back? I mean, we know he plays in that position for or has. I don't know if he does. He play regularly as a left back for Japan, or has he played left back for Japan? Is he? He's, he's, he's centre back. He's played centre back. He plays centre, but he's played everywhere. <laughs> the guy. Um, <laughs> so, so Kev, they're talking. We got Zinchenko. We got Tierney, and we've got Tommy. And you've got Benjamin, of course, on the other side. But the question from everyone is. Has Tommy kind of, is Zinchenko going to be in the midfield in the end? Is what, what's your take on the left back situation right now? Here's my take, Sophie. Whatever eleven Mikel Arteta picks, this just goes to show they all can perform. Tierney can perform. Tommy Yasu can perform. Both fullback positions, he can slot in as a centre back as well if need be. But I think we've got we've got an embarrassment of riches now. Whereas before we're saying, you know, about left back. Now we've got three who can do the job there. We've got two who are really, really strong at right back as well. Ben White and we've got Tommy Arsenal. So whichever way the manager wants to go. And you know what? We might see a, a, a change at times. With, it go to a three at the back. You never know. We might see that at some stage um, in the future. We've got Tommy Arso who can do both. He can play left side or right side. So I just think it's a nice problem to have. So. And Kaya, from what you see in, when you go to training and you're at London Colney, and I mean, it is, uh, you know, a few of us had a bit of a, oh, that's a good, that's a big call, Tommy at left back. But obviously it worked. Uh, it, uh, it's not a Xhaka at left back call, that's for sure. Um, what do you think? What, what do you think is going to happen with that position once everyone's fit? Um, I think Mikel Arteta will, will change his lineups for depending on the opposition. You look at what City do, sometimes um, they'll play Cancelo in that position, sometimes they'll play Nathan Ake in that position. They mix it up depending on what they think the, the strengths are and the weaknesses are of the opposition. I think, as I said earlier, I, I think Tommy Asi was chosen because A, because of Mohamed Salah, and B, because they felt that if they brought him infield against Liverpool playing a midfield two, he could add a bit more depth to that midfield and help Arsenal control possession. So, some days Kieran Tierney will be more important and he'll be more useful. I think against Brentford, Kieran Tierney was fantastic. And I know Zinchenko was injured, but I think that was a Kieran Tierney day in the sense that Brentford play a back five, their wing backs come forward, that leaves space for Tierney to get in behind. It pushes them back. So it changes from game to game. I don't necessarily view it as um, one one person is the first choice left back. And that means no one else will sort of get a chance again. I think maybe it's a bit sitting on the fence. Maybe it's not really picking a side. And I'm fine with doing that personally, just because I think there are some games that will be a Kiantini game. Some games will be a Tom Tomiyashi game. Some games will be a Zinchenko game. And it just depends on what Arteta um, feels is necessary. Like Kev was saying there, I think he got his spot on. Okay. Um, the next question is about, obviously, the news of, and we have to, I have to ask it. I don't really want to talk about him, but we have Kyron Kev here. So uh, I I do want to ask it. Oba couldn't be more wrong. Uh, Xhaka is arguably the biggest character of the lot. And look how Arteta dealt with it. Thoughts? Kev, you first on Oba in the hotel room, surrounded by a bunch of gold chains and, you know, um, gossiping about his old employers. Hey, listen, it's not something we don't know. I mean, let's be brutally honest. You know, the fact of the matter is, if you can't toe the line or take accountability for yourself, you're going to blame others. You know, that's what he's done. He's blaming others when really he had the captain's armband. He was the main man. 
and he controlled the lights off. That's the bottom line. Look where Arsenal are now to where Arsenal were with Oba. And this is no disrespect. Oba as a player and a footballer and a goal scorer, he's still incredible. He, he, he has been incredible for us. But so the bottom line is when the, when the manager comes in and wants to set the tempo and he wants to set that dressing room right, players need people who can lead them. If you're wearing the armband, you need somebody who could lead you. Oba wasn't that leader. North London Derby turns up late. He's not that leader. So, again, you don't ever hear any self-accountability. All year is he needs younger players to be able to do this. He needs uh, younger players so we can control them, etc. Can't handle the big-name players. Well, we're going to see about that, aren't we? We certainly are. Kaya, um, you were around Ober as well. He came out earlier and tweeted that that was on, in November, I believe, when he had first left Arsenal and he was feeling a little bitter. Uh, maybe just best to keep uh, your mouth stern, but it does make that November match against Chelsea a little tasty, all 600-plus of you in live chat, does it not? <laughs> yes, it does. I feel a bit sad for him because I think it's tarnishing his legacy in the sense that I think when he left, Arsenal fans, they knew about the, the sort of disciplinary stuff and there was a big debate at the time, should Arsenal have sort of sided with Arteta or Aubameyang and all that kind of stuff, but... I think most people when when he left to go to Barcelona were sort of happy to wish him on his way and wishing the best of luck with mm -hmm. Barcelona and because of what he'd done he was top scorer for I think was it three seasons it was at least two and scored an FA Cup semi-final FA Cup final community shield winner all those kind of goals I don't think people forgot that but you know when these comments come out I think people do that that um that that memory gets tarnished and it's a shame because I, I'd be surprised if you know Arsenal go and play Chelsea now and Aubameyang's not getting booed every time he touched the ball and that's a shame because I think he was a great servant for Arsenal and yes it didn't um work out at the end for a multitude of reasons but I think it's it's a shame because I think you know I think he was a great servant for Arsenal and to see it sort of deteriorating like this is is a real shame um, okay, so there is a crazy question, and I do love crazy questions. Uh, there's a couple, there's a, there's a ton about Sacra and Martinelli, and we do talk about them a lot, you guys. But someone's asking, and I and I'm looking for it here. That Kev, basically, if Martinelli carries on for two to three years the way he is, and Arsenal win trophies, you know, I like to play the what if game. Um, is he a Ballon? Could he, could he be a Ballon d'Or candidate? Of course, he could. Um, it depends what we win. That's the difference. I mean, these young these young men are getting more impressive by the week. So, Martinelli has been a starter this season. He's been incredible. Saka, you can see Saka's his games coming together all of a sudden. And um, you know, we we said it earlier on in the season. So, all of a sudden now he's got players who you don't have to rely on him. He's got he's got Jesus and he's got Martinelli and he's got. Zaka and he's got Partey in the midfield, Erdogan, who he doesn't need to rely. He has to be the best player all the time. Now his time will come. He doesn't get double teamed as much. You know, he gets the opportunity to run and he gets a bit more space at times. So listen, he's delivering. The, the key to this, to, to Ballon d'Ors is this. You have to prove yourself as a team and you have to prove yourself as a match winner, a difference maker. If these guys are getting quoted into Ballon d'Ors, 
Arsenal, we're going places. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, there you go. Let's have a discussion. I asked it for you. I do like the crazy questions. They're some of my favourites. Here's one that's not so crazy, Kaya, and I'm sure you hear it a lot. How much better would we be today if young Saliba was given the chance to work and develop for three years with the young guns? This is a still a polarising conversation, although now Arsenal are winning top of the league. I feel like most of us are getting over it. What is your take? So is that instead of going out on loan to yeah to France? To, okay. to France. okay. Um, I don't think he'd be as good a player because I think the seasons he's had in Liga have given him fantastic experience, particularly with Marseille playing at the Stade Velodrome where the atmosphere is crazy. <laughs> it's very very intense, and he's gone there and he's dealt with intense atmospheres and he's come back a far better player. And I actually saw William Saliba when he's playing for the Twenty Ones. I saw him in a Papa John's Trophy game um, against AFC Wimbledon and. I'd be lying if I said I thought he'd be as good as he is today based on that performance. He had an awful night. He made a mistake. He got sent off. It was not a good performance. I don't think he was in a good space right there at that time anyway. And I think to go back to France, to sort of be a bit closer to his family after some stuff he had in his personal life, to just be in that environment where he was going to be playing, I think it was good for him. And he'd come from a team in Saint-Étienne where he was playing week in, week out in the first team. And to come and not play at all and be with the 21s, I don't think that would have been good for his development. I think the reason he's such a composed and quality defender is because he's got so many games under his belt that he now has sort of a base of knowledge to fall back on. So if something goes wrong, he can quite confidently say, well, I've been here, I've done that. I've been playing French football since I was 17, which is four seasons, which at the age of 21 is more or less unheard of as far as, as, far as I know. There's not that many 21-year-old centre-backs with four seasons of first-team experience under their belt. So... I think it was the right decision. I think maybe they should have sent him out alone for that first half of the season instead of playing with the under-21s at all. That probably was the mistake. But since then, I think Arsenal have, have got his, his management spot on. And he wasn't going to play regularly last season because there were players ahead of him. He is playing regularly this season. And I, I just think that makes more sense. So can I can I add to that, Solf? Uh, I, I should super Kev. Yeah, but even this season... From pre-season when we, we, we saw him play, I don't think... Nobody saw this coming. Let's be honest. Nobody saw this. Nobody. We wanted him to be to be really good. But to take the Premier League by storm the way he has, again, makes a mistake now and again, like any, any centre-back does, but he's very good at cleaning it up and, and improving week in, week out. And we're so privileged to have this young man. The fact of the matter is, so his confidence went through the roof the season he had last season. So to come back as young player of the year, be full French international, et cetera, et cetera, means when he comes back, he's like, all right, here we go. I'm the man. I could do this. And boy, have we got a player. He's so fun to watch. I love watching him play. You know, just he makes defending. It's like art. He's the art. He's a he's an artist. He's just really good. And he, I love how he overcomes adversity in the game. Wasn't that great at at times in the first half? I agree with Kaya. Like the second half, though, my goodness, Thomas Partey was terrible in the first half. Second half, insane. Like just, I don't know what happens. Well, we do know what happens in the dressing room at halftime. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay, great stuff. We've got just a few minutes left. And look, I know a lot of you are asking about 
Henderson and Gabrielle. We can't talk about that because we don't know what happened. And until we know what happened, we're not going to talk about not it. Spe unless, not and, uh, and, and I don't think Kaya has any news on that either. And it's not our job to speculate on what was said. We'll wait for the report to come out. All right. A um, couple of ones being top of the league. Why don't we start here? How many possible points do you guys think that we'll get in the next five games before the World Cup? Ask uh, Chris, Chrisnan. Kev, we're going to do our you predicting know, the next five games, by the way. Both, you know me. I'll, I'll go for the full hit. You know what I'm like. I'll go for the full hit. Uh, this Arsenal team looked to me, and we seem to be better away from home, so. Because the opposition have to come on to us, and I think that really suits us. Um, listen, I know we've got tough games. They're, they're all tough in the Premier League. Make no mistake. And you, you can always drop points. But I always want 15 out of 15. I always want it. I don't want no losses. So I'm going for 15. Uh, excuse me. Not only are you not allowed to call Kev deluded, but you're also a Tottenham fan who's disappeared since the North London derby. Danny, oh, another oh, straight that, red. That, Danny, yeah, he just changed it to big Danny we, D we've now. Been all this yeah. time. Oh, right. Brighton, have we? All of a sudden he pops up. This is <laughs> well his done. fifth uh, yellow card, uh, red card this season. And guess what? Time out. Sinbin, Time. ice hockey style. Uh, Kaya, how many points do you see us getting? I've just been looking at the, the schedule now while, while Kev was talking. And so it's, it's Leeds, South, Leeds away, Southampton away, Forest at home, Chelsea away, Wolves away. So four away games out of five is, is tough. So to expect Arsenal to get maximum points from four away games in the Premier League is difficult. But then again, this Arsenal team has got maximum points from all but one of their games this season. So you sort of, it's, you almost feel, illogical predicting Arsenal to get 15 from 15 just because the Premier League is such a ridiculously competitive league and every game is so difficult even a game against Nottingham Forest at home that presents challenges that Arsenal will have to overcome and it won't be easy so oh man I hate these prediction ones because they're always they always they always leave me feeling they always make me feel stupid but, oh Kaya uh, trust me football makes fools of all of us and I've been a fool many many <laughs> times all right. Well, hey, Kaya, I'm deluded, remember? So, right. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join you in being deluded, Kev. I'm going to go 15 from 15. Oh, well. we like it. I we really, like yeah, it. I, I like what I see from this Arsenal team. The consistency is unbelievable. And hopefully they don't get any injuries in that time. And if that's the case, then I don't see why they would lose any of the next five matches. I just want to read this out real quick uh, from Amira. Love hearing Odegaard's captain notes this week that the mood around the club has been positive, even mentioning how it's the same from the men, women, and academies team. And as Jenny Hogg reminded me, so we're not top of the league, we're top of two leagues. And then another Arsenal fan wrote to me and said, so if we're not top of two leagues, we're top of three leagues because you've got to include our Arsenal women as well. So there you have it. Right, we're going to get everyone out on this question. I'm going to save the announcement for tomorrow's show because there's too much going on and we've got Kaya here and we're going to keep rolling and ask questions and... And I want Kev to do something special for that announcement anyway. So we'll we'll, we'll um, just watch out for that tomorrow. And I'll promise uh, it, it will come. It will come tomorrow. The question is from many: Can we win the Premier League? Who wants to go first? I do. Of course we can <laughs> win it. Will we, we win, win it? it. Will we win it? That's the whole question now. Sophie, if somebody said to you at the start of the season, 
after nine games, you'd be top of the league, win eight, lost one. We all would have taken it, right? If we can keep this going, the away games, and win some of those away games, and beat some of the teams that we've messed up against Southampton and all that, we've, 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 gone, we've come unstuck against in the past. We've got to keep proving our credentials, Soph. That's the whole point of what this is about. It's going to be tough to take City down. And you know what, Sophie? It might just come down to those City games. You never know. Because the way they're going and the way we're going, it looks like, you know, that might be the difference maker. City will lose to Spurs, guaranteed every year. <laughs> Kaya, am I crazy? Um... I've gone so, from criticizing Mikel Arteta, right, for the, his first, first half season, his entire second season, and then half of, uh, let's see, up until the end of October last season, uh, to believing because I'm seeing something totally different now. Uh, and, yeah. you know, go on. So I've seen a few people talk about comparisons with the season that Leicester won the league. And the reason for mm -hmm. that is it was a Premier League in transition. So, Liverpool aren't, you know, as, as much as they played quite well on Sunday, they're not what they have been over the past few years. Chelsea are in a period of transition under new ownership. Spurs still are a bit unsure of themselves. Man United are a whole different conversation altogether. So those are the sort of four of the other five big six teams. And it's not looking like a less season in the sense that one of the other teams from outside the big six is going to come up and potentially do it. So then you're narrowing it down between basically Arsenal and Man City as the two teams. Which team will be more consistent throughout the whole season? I personally think it's maybe a little bit uh, dangerous to start talking about title challenges for the reason that I don't want people to say Arsenal have to win the league from this position. I don't think anyone is saying that, but I don't want it to be deemed when we get to May and let's say City do beat Arsenal to the title by a couple of points or whatever. I don't want people to think that this season has been a failure for Arsenal because I don't think that's the case at all. For Arsenal, the target was top four. Anything else is a bonus. So whatever happens from this point on is positive. Can they win the league? Possibly, you know, for the reasons that Kev outlined before. City have dropped points against teams that they should have beaten as well, by the way. They dropped points against Aston Villa. That's a team who, as far as I'm concerned, are one of the poorer sides in the Premier League and they couldn't beat them. So Arsenal probably will do that across the course of the season, but they haven't really done it yet. So it's difficult to see Arsenal being more consistent than City. It's difficult to see this Arsenal side... Um, putting up 90 points like City do and that is what you realistically have to be looking at if you want to win the Premier League it's 90 points it's nothing less and that is very difficult to do and sustain across the whole course of a season it probably uh, comes down to injuries and fitness among those key players and if they can keep those key players fit and have them playing every Premier League game and sort of at those elite levels we've seen over the past few weeks maybe even in the course of this sentence I'm just sort of I'm swaying back and forth going yes no yes no <laughs> um I don't know I really don't know um, I, I don't and it's think... okay to not know. It's yeah, really okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stick with that then. I'm going to say, I don't know, I'm afraid. Sorry, guys. I think we're all excited. It's just great to see us not only play good football because we played good football for years. We've won four FA Cups when we've been on our knees. But in the Premier League, we've just been lightweight and we've been weak source. And to see us stand up to these teams now in the manner in which we are, it's just really cool and long, 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 long may it continue um right super kev 100 yeah. percent, so 100 
James Johnston, who was on the post-game show with me yesterday, Kev, claimed that we could be champions. So I had to put that up there because he won't he won't let up. He he thinks he thinks it's possible. He thinks it's possible. Right. That is all we got time for because Kai's got to go off to another show and Super Kev and I are off to join uh, Lee Judges and Dan Potts right now so we can carry on this conversation on their channel. Uh, Kev, where can people see you this on TV if you're doing Stadium Astro stuff this week? You done? Oh, yeah. you're on your... yeah. Not in, not, okay. mostly in England, only Astro, Astro Super Sport. And, There's um, lots of fans who are saying they saw you, so let them know if you're broadcasting this week from uh, Stadium yeah, Astro. Uh, well, we, we we do a lot of local stuff in the week, okay. and then next weekend be covering the be covering games next weekend. So I don't get back to the UK until mo next Monday. Okay, so look out for Kev if you have access to Stadium Astro locally in Malaysia and also um, in Asia. Kaya, where can everyone find you? I've been putting up your banner and stuff like that, but let everyone know what you're up to this week, where they can find your stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm flying out to Norway on Wednesday for Bodo Glimpse, which I'm really looking forward to. Um, so we'll be giving you coverage of that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at KayaKanat97 there. I'm also on Facebook, KayaKanat Journalist, and then um, um, just the London website. That is the, the place to find all my articles, uh, videos, audio, all that kind of stuff. That's all there. So yeah, please, uh, please do click on our stuff and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. And thank you very much for having me on. Thank you everyone for watching and supporting and yeah, had a really good time. Brilliant. Do you promise you'll come back? Because the amount of yes. questions that we've had, okay, brilliant. And sooner rather than later, if we can for do sure. a follow up, because we've had almost 700 people in live chat. They've loved the conversation. How many um, likes? Chief Like Officer Tammy Stills, please report the final tally on the likes. Kai, if you need to jump out, you can jump out real quick. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Take care, mate. Thank you for having me on. Take care. Cheers, guys. Bye. Uh, let's get that number from Tammy uh, before Liz, who's one of our chief like assistants. 306, Kev, and we've had Not 600. Happy. Right. Not happy. Not happy whatsoever. What's all the top of the league? 3 a.m., 4 a.m. now, and we're getting 306 likes. Come on, squaddies. You better hit the like button on your way out if you haven't, all right? You better, because there'll be hell to pay. We won't get Kev from Malaysia ever again. I'm just telling you that now, people. Tammy buggered off. She's got off to watch Lee already. We have to go, too. Tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m., I will be doing paper talk on Sky Sports News. Uh, with uh, Jonathan Liu from uh, The Guardian. So that will be fun. Uh, look, uh, look out for me on that. And in the meantime, we love you guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to Kaya so much. And let's just get the score. Of course, Kev always likes to get poor score. Well done, Kev. That means you've had a brilliant show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we're out. And uh, look out for the show tomorrow and this week. We've got Demian on Wednesday as well and uh, some other good bits coming up and don't forget today is world mental health day if you ever need a chat super kevin i are always here you can email us the hybrid squad at gmail.com look out for the samaritans all of the information that is online today if you know a friend who needs a chat and needs some help please point them in that direction and kev you can take us out okay sophie good to be on thanks for delivering another super show Soph. Super Sophie, 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 Sophie. <laughs> Squaddies, good to see you. Get the likes up. I'm not going to have too much of a goal, but you know what? 
We're top of the league and I expect more from you, squaddies. Guna Ross, get me to 350 and I'm happy. Anyway, squaddies, being top of the league and beating Liverpool after beating Spurs back-to-back -back is important. So, do you know what? Let's keep the love, let's keep the belief and let's keep thinking about the Arsenal while we enjoy it. And remember, we've played nobody yet. At ease, squaddies. At ease. Mind the gap between the train and the platform. Please stand clear of the discussion doors. The next stop is Highbury Squad. Library Squad is powered by Zenith Coins. Support the future, treasure the past. Official license partner of the Arsenal Football Club. Follow at Zenith Coins across all social platforms.